Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Hi, this is JJ, and this is Carlos from Castle Bravo Comics. And you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists. Peter Melnick is out. He's got a day off. I don't know how that happens. It's not in our contract. I'm Eddie Wilson. Before we get into introducing our guests on the other end of the phone, I want to make you aware of how you can get a hold of us in social media. Go to Facebook.com slash The Marvelist or Facebook.com Peter Melnick Podcaster for him individually. On Twitter at The Marvelist, at Peter Melnick, on Instagram at The Marvelist, and also me, one spot, that's Instagram, Eddie9193. Doesn't sound as good as when Peter does it, because he always does it, and he's got it memorized. I have to have you know paper in front of me. Also, drop us a line if you are inclined to themarvelous@gmail.com. Any questions, comments, strongly worded letters, whatever the case might be. You can listen to us on a wide variety of social media platforms, including iTunes, and please rate, review, subscribe. Give us that five-star rating if you are ever so inclined, and a plethora, or plethora if you will, Spotify, Podbean, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, wherever there's an RSS feed, and we'll wrangle one, we're there. So, today, for something a little bit different, as I'm solo hosting, so to speak, two gentlemen on the other end of the line, down in the sunshine state of Florida, I want to welcome JJ and Carlos from Castle Bravo Comics. Gentlemen, welcome. Hi, thanks, Eddie. How are you doing today? Thanks okay. for having us. Okay, we heard about the fact that you're you have put together a comic, or in the process of, and so we want to start with the beginning of how you know it came to be and stuff. So how you guys got together and start with that, I suppose? Yeah, uh, actually, how it all came to be, Carlos and I worked at um, an advertising agency. Okay. Together, and Carlos was the uh, head of the art department. And yeah, and I came in as like a graphic designer underneath him, and uh, that's how we met initially. And uh, Carlos, I, I think... Uh, I don't know what, what happened. I left the company, and then wasn't somebody somebody suggested that we came up with a, come up with a comic, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't remember exactly the moment we decided to put a comic together. I remember us discussing the various ideas that we've had individually and concepting some things together, and you know that kind of slowly built itself up to Castle Bravo and the comic that we're putting out. So, how long ago yeah. did you say this all kind of started? <laughs> Ooh, that was well, at least... We met right? like seven years ago. Yeah, we met yeah. seven years ago at the ad agency. I left the ad agency uh, a year and a half, two years after that. Uh, we started messing around with the ideas. Once we had a solid idea, I started drawing, but then there was this hiatuses due to whatever it might be, work, life, yada, yada, yada. So, we had been working on it for a while, and uh, just... Uh, few months ago, we were just decided to just buckle down, just do this, and uh, that's really what we did, and we've finished the first issue, and we're hammering away on the second issue right now, so yeah, it's coming together, and I know once I put like my focus on that, like this is, this is all I'm doing, I'm like kind of eating, drinking, sleeping, thinking this book, you know, so... <laughs> 
Well, we'll get into yeah. the uh, nuts and bolts of it and stuff, but how long is the guideline? I mean, I know from reading regular comic books about how many pages and that kind of thing. For what you're doing, what constitutes the comic book? How many pages is a requirement to be, you know, that kind of thing? Well, Carlos, he does a lot of the writing, most of the writing on the book. Mm-hmm. So he tries to keep, well, Carlos, what are you trying to keep the uh, story to? I mean, we try to keep them pretty brief. The longest story we have right now is about 17 pages. Mm-hmm. More or less, we average between 8 to 10 pages, um, some really short ones. Our concept is really an anthology book, so we try to keep ourselves creatively free to make as many different types of stories as we can and just package them together in an interesting way. Yeah, and it is an anthology comic, but it is our own world. Like These stories will come back around down the road, and we will flesh things out, but... I think the big appeal for me, as far as an anthology comic goes, is that I'm a big fan of mainstream comics. I just get a little frustrated sometimes when they're always rebooting things, rebooting things, and changing the history and lore, and I really, really like the fact that we can stay away from that. Our stories are 17 pages or 10 pages, 8 pages long, but our first issue that's coming out here is going to be about 40, 40 pages, so it's four stories and one book, mm-hmm. and that's just because it's issue number one, and we're, so we're launching with that. We usually go about two stories per book, so each one after this should be about 20 pages. Well, for right now, what I've seen on Instagram is, uh, I guess, a teaser, you could call it, because it looks like it's about five black and white panels and kind of, you know, what's the appetite? Because you've got some different uh, scenes going on here. It starts off by saying, what is Castle Bravo? And it looks like when you flip to the next page, there's a pair of hands looking at Castle Bravo, about to open it. And it, I think, reflects the very first image that I see, which looks like a, a nuclear explosion, a mushroom cloud. Yeah, 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 yeah. And actually, the, uh, Carlos came up with the name Castle Bravo. and uh-huh. uh, Right, so Castle Bravo, um, I, I would say pretty randomly doing research for a story, I came across the name Castle Bravo is actually a nuclear test that was done in the 50s that um, surprised all the scientists that were working on it because it exploded, I say like 50 times larger than they expected it to. So I kind of found that to be, you know, in an odd way, uh, kind of inspiring that something could work that much better than you expected it to. So I kind of, that name kind of stuck with me. And then when I pitched it to JJ, he loved it. And I think it really kind of gives us a good starting point where a lot of um, our ideas kind of originate from that era and from that that explosion being like almost like an inciting incident for some of our concepts that are going to come about in the stories. In a way, I sort of took it the opposite way, but that's okay. I'm going to throw in little tangents that might throw things off, but don't mind me. Because, uh, sure. <laughs> you know, explosion, you think, oh, that's the end of something. It's like it's all gone. It's all blown up. But no, in this case, it sounds like it's the beginning of something. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like Not a Big Bang Theory, but that's another story. Yes, it's an all-new anthology comic book. It says, filled with, flip the page, adventure. Mystery, intrigue, and much more. And each one has a different characterization. Now, I can describe what I'm seeing here, and it looks like the adventure part uh, says uh, has a picture of, it looks like a, a young uh, Asian girl holding a samurai sword. Yes, that's one of our flagship characters that Carlos developed. Right, so Ruby is a young girl who, through some act of violence, um, loses her family. And the sword is actually a relic of her ancestors and is imbued with the soul of a samurai from her family uh, line many years ago. And the sword basically serves as a guardian and a 
teacher for Ruby as she grows up now that she is essentially an orphan. She has only the sword as her family and as her guide as she tries to find out what was the cause of the attack and why her family was killed. How old do we place her, just so we have a rough idea? She's about 10 years old when the story starts. Okay. Yeah. Let's look at the next panel, and that looks like a uh, a Caucasian man wearing glasses, looking up to the sky, maybe wearing some kind of priestly, um, sort of kind of a, a robe thing, but he's got because he's got something at the collar in a V-shape, but he's holding open a book, and I think he's got a pen. What's that going on there? Well, that well, is um, another one of our flagship characters. It's really an embodiment of death of the Grim Reaper in kind of a new take on the old idea of death escorting people to the afterlife. Gotcha. I can see that now. Okay. And uh, the next one where it says intrigue has someone who's wearing sort of kind of a mask. He's holding a pistol, two hands, a little scruffy maybe in the face, but uh, poised for something to happen, some kind of action. What's that? Now, you drew these all, JJ, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, so I came to Carlos and we liked the idea of having like a shadowy kind of government agency, but not really a, a government agency, like the, the people in control kind of thing. And this would be, we actually have this whole agency, which is also called Castle Bravo. So this guy is one of their agents. And the inspiration here was, like, I really love the video games, Metal Gear Solid. That's just, that's my jam. I play it all day. I have really good run times on them, like under two hours. I love that. And I wanted to incorporate something like that. I always like the intrigue, the espionage sort of thing. And so we're, we're tying that in. And this organization is really involved in a lot of the things that we'll also see, you know, they're, you know, in our storyline down the road, I don't want to give too much away, but nope. they will be responsible for some of the heroes that we see, some of the villains, like some of the stuff that goes on in this world. And that might actually, you know, give people some pause and some thought as to like, you know, well, what are they really doing to us or sort of thing. So, okay. So it's not just to look at, but you, you know, you read it, you absorb it, you, it makes you think a little bit. Yeah. Cool. And then the last panel that I see here has five characters on it. And it looks like they're almost in each corner, four of them in the center is, it looks like a female who's holding a shotgun, a long barrel shotgun, but also a revolver around her waist and a, um, off the shoulder type dress and a cowboy hat. And it looks like a face like Jonah Hex. Yeah, well, it's actually, um, I drew this all black and white. I was just, uh, you know, kind of keeping it minimalist so you can see her face. But when you see her up close, it'll actually be kind of a Day of the Dead skull face paint. Um, that's La Muerta. And um, we're taking that story back to the to the Wild West, just a classic story of revenge, and um, but a little more brutal, maybe. Um, and I think that's a, another thing that we like that we can do is that we jump. I mean, you'll see people... Back in the Wild West, we'll also take you into the future and show uh, stuff. But the cool thing is, in the book, there's always little Easter eggs that you can find and see. And, like, we're always setting it up and kind of, uh, like, these things just always exist. And you'll see that. It'll feel like a world. When you go into and say there's, it's brutal, it's, you know, all these things that made me think of uh, a recommended age to read this and other elements that are in here. Like, are we talking about gore and, and graphic stuff and language? We do have that in stories. We're not very gratuitous. Like, actually, I don't know if you noticed or not. Carlos and I have not dropped one f bomb, which is not always <laughs> easy for us. And you know what? Um, I didn't even preface you by saying this is a PG thirteen podcast, so we kind of shy away from those. But uh, thank you for oh, doing it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There will be shots of gore and like, oh my goodness, you know that guy's head just got blown clean off and things like there. 
So I would say there are stories that are a hard R, but then there are stories that are more PG, PG-13 in there. But recommend reading, I would say more mature. Mm-hmm. Carlos? Yeah, absolutely. I would say at the very least from teen and up. Like JJ said, we definitely tackle some topics that are, you know, a little more mature and some scenes that are more brutal and graphic. But I mean, we try to balance that with humor and lighter topics and different stories of different genres to, you know, keep it interesting and keep the reader engaged regardless of their preference of story type. Now, without getting into too much with any particular character, you must have had some kind of an interest growing up as young kids in comics. And what in particular did you like to start with? And maybe are there any elements of certain characters that you've possibly put into the ones you've developed? Or not, you don't have to say, but I mean, just thinking about how it all started for you with comics growing up. So, JJ, you want to start? Yeah, sure. Well, I uh, I have been a comic nerd for forever. I um, had a very, very nice collection until about 10 years ago, and I'm growing my collection back up. But I grew up and I was reading Superman. Superman's my guy, mm-hmm. honestly. And uh, I grew up reading all of it. I, I can't tell you what I had for dinner yesterday, but I can tell you where I was, what time it was when I went to pick up the death of Superman. That's what matters. Um, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, you know, the important thing. And I didn't want to just leave it there. You know, you can't just read one thing. So, Eddie, I'm sure you remember Wizard Magazine. Yes. I wish that they would bring Wizard back, personally, but, you know, that's another story. And I would pick up Wizards all the time just to see what other stories I should be reading. And so it was fun. I got to see, you know, people who are superstars now, like Jim Lee back in the early 90s, you know, when he was coming up and then finally broke off and made Image and got to uh, grow up with Grant Morrison, and it was exciting. And the 90s, early 2000s, I think, was uh, like my favorite time for comics. Nowadays, I still collect, I still read, but, you know, those little gems are a little farther between now, but still good. As far as uh, our inspirations go, I mean, like Ruby. I would say Ruby is kind of more of our Superman. You know, she's like our flagship character, but at the same time, she doesn't really have a lot of his traits. I mean, she's honorable. She's a good kid. You know, she's trying to grow up and make her way in the world. And we have other characters that are kind of like, for instance, we have a character coming out, the Mongoose, who is, you can tell the inspiration behind it is more Batman-y, but once you read the story, you're like, this is nothing like Batman, and it'll keep you laughing. And uh, I mean, we try and find inspiration where we can, but we also want to keep everything fresh and original. We don't want to bite off of anybody else's ideas too hard to, to where people are pointing their finger at us or anything. Yeah. So that character, Mongoose, is more to be taken uh, lightheartedly and not so serious. <laughs> yeah, I think Carlos is having a real fun time uh, writing that story, actually. Yeah, that's, that's going to be... We haven't even have a butler kind of character. I don't want to give too much away because I really want people to read that one and yeah. enjoy it and laugh and... All right, so Carlos, what about you starting off with comics and stuff? Okay, so I would say I'm definitely more of a Batman guy, contrast to J.J. Superman. Um, I would say <laughs> I definitely loved a lot of the 90s comics and the things that, that came out in that era, you know, being over the top. I loved Spawn and all that stuff. As far as influences go for stories and things like that, I've taken inspiration from everything in my life. As a kid watching the Batman animated series, all of those classic 90s cartoons, movies and video games influenced me a lot. There's such a unique way of storytelling in video games that 
I love to see that kind of, you know, that's kind of first person engagement with an environment sparks a lot of my imagination when trying to come up and build a world around a character. I definitely think that um, a lot of what comics is, it's modern mythology, and I try to learn as much as I can about mythology from different regions, different people have been on different scary stories, different fairy tales and stuff like that, and all of that. I feel comes from similar places, but it has so many different styles and approaches to it and just try to eat as much of that up as I can and, you know, try to recontextualize some of that in a way that, you know, anybody can kind of relate to it by making, you know, these characters that are human and dealing with things that are far beyond what anybody should have to deal with on a regular basis. All right. So, Carlos, your big ones are Batman and I think you said Spawn. Is there any, any other that comes to mind? You know, as a kid, I loved Spider-Man, the smart mouth character, just saying whatever he wants and being cocky. I've always kind of gravitated more towards villains and seeing, like, what makes them tick. That's mainly my fascination with Batman is obviously the, his rogues are probably the best in comics. So that kind of thing, just seeing how these characters go from regular people to monsters, so to speak. That it's always fascinated me. And JJ Superman number one. Anybody else in your lineup? Don't get me wrong. As I, I do enjoy Batman. I don't necessarily. I don't read him as much as Superman. Some of the stories uh, recently have been fine. Don't get me wrong. I just they, they haven't really resonated with me. And Superman's always kind of even Superman today has like been a little wishy washy for me. You know, it's funny you brought up Jonah Hex. I have. Just about every collection of Jonah Hex that you could think of. I love Jonah Hex. I think that's a great character, underutilized character. Had a terrible movie made, and I wish that uh, they could take that one back and do it properly. Yeah, but you know, it um, took Josh Brolin to go through that to get to Thanos, so what do you do? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, I get it, but he was such a good Jonah Hex. He was just given such a bad script. I mean, and even his <laughs> lines in it, you know, like, take out the one-liners, even him, him, his character, what, he was just like, all right, that's Jonah Hex. But then the movie itself, it was just, oof, a little rough. <laughs> I have to admit, though, I do have a somewhat of a Jonah Hex collection on the, I guess, the original run, 90-something issues, let's say, and need to catch up like a lot of other stuff. But I don't know how well, and you could probably tell me better, the comic book Jonah Hex translated into the film. <laughs> Or not too well fit translated. I don't yeah, yeah, like they added things that they didn't need to add. Like he had this power where he could communicate with the dead. That wasn't really a thing. He was kind of, he was just a cowboy. And even Josh Brolin himself said, we should have just made a Western with Jonah Hex and it would have been great. There was actually a few years back, DC released an animated uh, feature DC showcase. It was an anthology movie. Mm. It had uh, four or five different short cartoons. Um, I think they had the Spectre, that was a good one, and a Superman Shazam thing, and, and they had Jonah Hex, and the Jonah Hex one was just rocking, it was amazing, and it was, that was the character, and it didn't have any supernatural stuff. In the past, there are some supernatural things with Jonah Hex, I will say that, but I think he works better as just a regular cowboy bounty hunter doing his thing, but he did not translate like that to the movie. I put it on a medium scale as far as myself. I don't believe I own it. I have seen it at least one time. It wasn't hurting my eyeballs to be seeing Megan Fox in her scenes also, so... Yeah, that didn't hurt at all. But besides that, like, honestly, when I was growing up looking at comic books, I was... Outside of Superman, a lot of the times what I did was I would follow the artist. 
no matter what they were on. And I still do that today. If you tell me that Frank Quitely is doing a new thing by whatever, and it's the most ridiculous premise in the world, or you tell me that the story is awful, or so I will pick it up because Frank Quitely is drawing that. You yeah, know, and I, I did get that it. with Jim Lee. I so yeah, I totally get that. I've done that a couple with a couple artists. My John Byrne coming to mind first and foremost, and then realizing, oh, oh, oh he did God, this. John oh, he Byrne's did that. Amazing. Yeah. I knew him through Marvel, and then I find out he's done some DC stuff, so I had to go get some DC stuff. And Oh, yeah, absolutely. Him, Dan Jurgens, who did a huge run on Superman in, in the 90s. I mean, he was my guy. You know, so yeah. So at some point, the two years, like we said, seven years ago, met and had the idea, and maybe other influencers were there where you said, you know what, I can kind of write some stuff, or I can kind of draw some stuff. Maybe we should try to put our heads together and uh, and do this. Or part of it, I'm guessing, I'm, I don't want to take the answers out of your mouth, that you just saw that maybe somebody's not covering this kind of story, or it's something that we, having some creativity, want to get vent out, and this is how we're going to do it, because others are doing comics. Yeah, I think, um, I think honestly, uh, initially, what kind of brought us together creatively was just spitballing ideas, just kind of workshopping uh, some rough concepts that we had. And kind of realizing, you know, creatively, we, we work well together. You know, outside of um, what we did in, in the advertising agency, we had a good chemistry as far as being able to bounce ideas off each other and work off of, you know, initial concepts. So I think putting together the stuff that we have, a lot of it comes from our own separate experiences, but also that collaboration that works really smoothly between us. And then now, while I'm still thinking of it, Carlos, the writing part that is you, had you done any other kind of uh, writing or you just found yourself gravitating towards that yeah well actually i grew up mostly um drawing and working on the art side of things you know just in my own personal interest and i actually didn't start to write until probably a few years ago and the first things i, I wrote were tv commercials for ad agencies those nice. obnoxious ones that yell at you to come in this weekend and <laughs> and save so, uh, our stories are a long way from those things, but yeah, I would say that was in my first forays into some professional writing. Well, you know what? That stuff had and maybe still has its uh, niche that it works in certain aspects. I mean, you may be young enough to not know the TV ad campaign for that big electronics giant known as Crazy Eddie. Oh, yeah, for sure. No. I remember those, yeah. Okay, Absolutely. well, that's what came to mind the first you mentioned about you know yelling and stuff, so... <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's I don't go. remember those. Yeah, I do. And everything is on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. All right, so where does this go now? The next thing I'm looking for is uh, who's coloring this in, and where do you go? What's happening next? Um, well, I mean, I lay down the foundation of each page in the comic, but as far as, like, everything goes, like, Carlos says, you know, he kind of brushes past it that he did, like, the art side, but Carlos has done some really nice stuff in the past, so... We share art duties on when it comes to inking or coloring. Like It's just the two of us. We're not trying to tell somebody that they'll get tons of exposure and not pay them and having them color our stuff. We're doing everything ourselves. So for the sake of time, you know, I'll lay it down and maybe one issue, Carlo, will, or maybe one story, Carlos will ink and they'll hand it back to me and I'll color and then he'll color the other one while I'm coloring one. The thing is, is that it's hard to just say we have just this role because we try and switch up the art styles a little bit. I mean, you'll still tell that it's us, but we try and change it up a little bit depending on what story we're telling. You know, we're not trying to just stick to one basic art style. We switch it up so that it keeps everything fresh and it keeps everything moving. And, you know, if we need something that 
for a story that calls for something a little different, that's what we do. And Carlos does a hell of a job coloring, and we kind of both direct each other on certain things. Like, hey, I think this will look good. Hey, I think this is good. Like he said, we, we've always been able to communicate and not, like, jump down each other's throats over <laughs> over changes or whatever. So, so yeah, did it's you, definitely a shared yeah. partnership. Now, did you, JJ, tell me that, or you don't, haven't done uh, any, too much as far as the writing part? No, I like there's stories in there that I wrote, and again, like that, we talk about them. Like it's a very democratic process. If there's something that we like, one of us does not agree upon, it is squashed then and there, or we talk about it until it works with our shared vision. It's not just Carlos. It's not just JJ. You know, it's us. I think it works really well. Well, it has so far, at least. Okay, so now where do we go from here? We got the tease up on the Instagram. CastleBravoComics.com is the site. What's the next step? Where's it going from here? What we're going to do is we're going to set up a Kickstarter. I think, Carlos, we said like two to three weeks, right? Yeah, I would say about two or three weeks we're looking to launch pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to launch our Kickstarter. Like I said, our issue number one is already done. It's you know, ready to go to the printer. We just obviously have to fund it, and we're moving along on issue two. So expect that Kickstarter coming up. So I think right now we're just trying to generate some buzz. We're going to have more of a presence on Instagram as far as some live feeds where, you know, I'm sitting there drawing at a page or something. Carlos might join us on that. You might just hear us BS or maybe you'll just hear Carlos playing video games in the background and, (laughs) you know, whatever it may be. But we have a uh, little guerrilla marketing campaign, that teaser that you saw on Instagram. We actually printed those out, folded them up. We're going to go out and like hand them out, try and generate just a little bit of buzz, kind of the old fashioned way. And yeah, Sounds like he just gave us a little bit more of the uh, behind-the-scenes process. That is Carlos playing video games. <laughs> oh, oh man. I, you know, it's not just him. <laughs> we both had a little... There's two games that I remember that we both had kind of a stall in um, in any progress. I think the first one, Red, like Red Dead Redemption. When that came out, when Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, <laughs> we were both kind of like, oh, yeah, no, I'm totally working on it, but really, like, we are like, just... <laughs> yeah, and then... Um, Oh, crap, why can't I remember the name of it? The samurai one we just played. Ghost of Ushima. Thank you. We both stayed pretty, like, neck and neck as far as the progress goes, so when that game ended, we were both like, oh, my God, did you see that? And it was <laughs> it was pretty fun, but we try not to let it uh, deter us from work too much. But it's a good way to vent and to, I don't know, decompress or get stressed in a different way, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right, Definitely. <laughs> And it's one thing that in my lifetime of video games, it was Atari and Pac-Man, whatever. Oh, so. no, now they're just almost indistinguishable from real life. You get so immersed in it, it's hard to really just do the one level and uh, back to work thing. All right. Anything else that we're missing here? And then we'll get ready to wrap this up. You tell me if there's anything else we should know before this all kicks off. I think we covered everything pretty well. We're just really excited to get everything moving and gearing up for this Kickstarter launch. And the Kickstarter, I mean, I think that's something that people should be looking out for. We're not just bringing you a comic book that looks nice and reads well or anything. I mean, we have a lot of cool swag that's going on with the tiers. We have stickers. We're planning on having shirts, posters. We are really looking to make an impression here. All right. So if you have, and I hope you have, made an impression with the podcast listening audience, why don't you guys tell me where somebody would need to go to find out more information? CastleBravoComics.com. So start yeah, right you can there. Subscribe there and definitely follow us on Instagram. It's just Castle Bravo Comics. Go and give us a follow. That's a good thing. CastleBravoComics.com. Excellent. Guys, wish you nothing but the best. JJ and Carlos for Castle Bravo Comics and the anthology comic book that is coming soon. 
Thank you, Eddie. Really appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate it a lot.